Welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. The contents and views expressed by individuals in this podcast are not necessarily those of the companies for which they work. Due to the coronavirus lockdown, the CIM Podcast is currently being recorded via web conferencing. We apologise for any issues with the audio. Hi everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the CIM Podcast. And you know, The story of this podcast series has been the story in some degree of the pandemic. We began before it started. We then dived out into our home offices and did everything remotely, which we still are. But on Monday, we are reaching a great milestone. We are opening up in quite a major way. And one of the things that's happening is that cinemas will be returning. And very contemporaneously and appropriately, we are with today a very special guest, Mr. Mark Prescott, Head of Business Development publishing and enterprise at the British Film Institute. And Mark will be with us today to talk about videography in marketing. Mark, how are you, sir? Hi, Ben. I'm good, thank you. Looking forward to both kind of talking on the podcast and, of course, cinemas reopening on the 17th of May. Very, very exciting. We are also joined by a veteran of this series, Mr James Farmer from CIM, and a new colleague from CIM in Moore Hall, very appropriately, Claudia Gridelli, who is an in-house videographer for CIM. James, Claudia, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Good, thanks, Ben. Good to see you again, good to see you again. Now, Mark, I'll start with you. It strikes me that video in the business world, be marketing or in business more widely, has become more democratised in recent times. I'm not certain, perhaps you will tell me, whether you think that's a good thing that more people are doing video or a bad thing. Where do you stand? I think it's both good and bad from de- depending on what your perspective is. If you're, if you're the budget holder for video, it's, it's great because costs are going down. Uh, if you're one of the one of the companies, production companies that that made you know you know quite a good living making the kind of big corporate videos uh, and indeed, one of the ad agencies that make the big, the, you know, the really big high budget videos, you're probably less pleased because uh, your business is being squeezed. Do, do you think that it's led to a reduction in quality that more people are doing it? So that's a really that is a really good question, because obviously, you know, one of the things that at the BFI, you know, we're, we think is kind of interesting is that, um you know, with the, as you said, the kind of democratization of of video, and I would say the kind of prevalence, the use of the moving image to communicate. Uh, <clears throat> does that mean that um, does that mean that the quality of what's being produced is going down? I would say not necessarily, um, and I would say that people get very het up about uh, um, even the quality of the equipment. So at the BFI. We, we, we run a number of what I would call craft skills film courses, people going into the industry. Um, and, and for some of those courses, we're using some of some very expensive tech. You know, uh, uh, Ari Alexa, and I, have to, I guess I have to say, you know, there are other brands available, but Ari Alexa cameras, you know, are, are, are kind of £70,000. You know, an Ari Alexa, and uh, 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 that's a, that's a £70,000 piece of kit. Um, and yet you can make... Uh, you can make equally, you know, compelling video um, with your with your uh, with your iPhone, which is considerably less. Uh, again, other brands of, of smartphone are available. Some of our audience might be surprised to hear someone from the BFI encouraging 
what is sort of quasi amateur filmmaking that you know you're here as a standard bearer of great cinema and you're going to tell people that they can make great films with what's sitting in their pocket so it's about uh, making the distinction between i guess uh, great cinema cinematography is it beautifully shot is it gorgeous does it look um, does it look fantastic you know is the location unbelievable is the lighting beautiful uh, and, and telling stories because at the end of the day uh, you know film is a way of telling stories and the crucial thing is how how you tell your story well what marketers do is all about telling stories or it should be about telling stories and we're joined today as i said from james and claudia from cim who are both work a little bit in the field of videography claudia nearer to the front line but james from a strategic level we'll start with you james i mean that's an interesting testimony, isn't it? That that actually, if you're using this exciting medium to tell stories rather than create a piece of art, it's something that more and more people can and should be doing. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I completely agree. I think um, in the advent of smartphone enabled everyone to become a photographer, you know, with, with decent cameras on, on phones. And that's very much now the case with video. And I think... Um, I think the, the democratization actually is a good thing in my perspective, because actually what it does is it enables businesses, regardless of their budgets, regardless of their marketing size, to be able to create video, you know, e economically. Um, and actually, I think the sort of the quality of output is, is a really interesting one, because for me, it sort of comes down to authenticity. So, you know, to 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 Mark's point, it's it's it doesn't have to be perfectly shot, perfectly cropped, beautifully colour graded. Actually, almost the rawer it can be sometimes, the more authentic it can be, and therefore it can build even more trust with the brand. Do you agree with that, Claudia? You're, 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 you're a trained videographer whose job it is is to convert uh, videography into a piece of marketing. But sometimes you have to be consciously rough and ready. Sometimes you have to be more polished depending on the, the, the task in hand. Yeah, it's dependent on how you want your brand to be represented. Um, and I think there are obviously foundations of filmmaking that you should know if you want the quality of your video to be represented of your brand accurately, to keep the quality and the level of filmmaking at a certain level. Um, but I think, you know, you can create, an amazing looking video but if the information isn't there or the entertainment isn't there then you know what you've created isn't going to get as much attention so are you saying that a, a bad video can be a good video and a good video can be a bad video from a marketing <laughs> perspective i mean if you look at, at something like um tiktok for example um you have something with a million views and it's just an informational video with somebody you know holding their phone up selfie mode to their face explaining something that they know or something that they've experienced um and people love it because as james say it's it's authentic and it's raw and it's coming from a good place but if it is something that is representative of a brand or a company then there is sort of an expectation there that you know, this is visually how you want your brand to come across. So although you may have good information, um, you know, you also need to hold your brand or company to a level 
that um, is, you know, accurately represented. That strikes me as a real danger, Mark, is that too many brands or companies see what's going on in the world of TikTok and, and the like, think they go, they're going to go down the rough and ready path, abandon cinematic principles and produce something which is actually brand damaging. So I, so I think it's there is a um, you know there is a kind of language of film and there's a kind of framework in which to create uh, you know how you communicate in that language and 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 it's a and, and for me and for marketers and for and for and for companies uh, looking to communicate using film in the moving image it's about understanding that framework first. So like, like, like a lot of crafts in, uh, or arts in life, whether that's, uh, you know, you, you first, you, if you can understand the technique, uh, you, are, you are then conversant in the technique, then it frees you to do all sorts of things that might be ha- that, that, that beyond the, the norm or, or, or different or deliberately subpar. But it's about understanding that language. And in the same way that, say, you know, even 10, 15 years ago, you know, we would have said, you know, it's very important for marketers to understand visual language in terms of brands and brand identities and how they communicate, and also language in terms of how you use language, copywriting, how you communicate. Uh, I think because because moving image is so uh, prevalent, you know, it's TikTok today, two years time, it might be something else, but they're all using moving images. So, so marketers really need to understand the principles of moving image language. How do they get those principles, James Farmer? How do they know how to make a good, good video well and a bad video well um, that's going to help their brand? How do they learn those principles and guidelines? I think there's a number of ways, but I mean, I, I don't want to use this podcast as a platform to to sell our product. We, we, we never like to do that, but we have we have recently collaborated with BFI to to, to launch a range of um, courses for um, uh, video for marketers, and we we actually went on those um, over the last couple of weeks, and they are fantastic. Of course, I would say that, but actually, I, I think there's lots of um, uh, there's lots of more simple, um, sort of, I guess, organic ways that you can. I think, I think, as visual people, if you just watch any sort of video production, whether it's a TV um, advert, a TV program, or even a movie, and you actually sort of detach yourself from the storyline that's actually being narrated, and look at the way that it's stitched together, look at the crop shots, look at some of the transitions from one shot to the next. There's a lot you can actually unpick um, when when actually just consuming anything, and I think it's amazing how many sort of elements you can pick up organically in that way. Well, what do you, what do you think of the classic mistakes, Claudia, when you're trying to pick up those people who are trying to do that sort of technical techniques? Uh, you know, the mistakes that people make when they're trying to get into this. I, I think there's a few, and you know, really putting in the time to. Um, pay attention to how you can improve these really simple um, techniques can make a huge improvement like you know considering your lighting and are there any harsh shadows on your face or can you see someone's face clearly and how are they lighted um, and if they move do the shadows move with their face also with the um, there's a a classic film technique that everyone has to consider called the rule of thirds 
And it's how is your person framed in a shot? Because if you have somebody in a shot that is completely either off centre, too much headspace, um, or half their heads cut off, it's just it's just not it's just not going to look good. <laughs> do, do you do you think that more and more people are doing this, Mark Prescott, that they are picking that stuff up? Do, or do you think that actually people are going out and doing it and missing these key cues that James and Claudia has, have just uh, outlined? So, so I think I think uh, uh, you know a, a bit of both, but I definitely people see whether it's on Instagram or or um, or TikTok or, or and, and and because the phone is is there and they you know they can just press record that it must be really easy and then why doesn't it work? And uh, and as uh, Claudia said. There are some really easy things. If I was to give two two very simple things that will instantly improve your filmmaking, buy an external light source, and buy buy a decent microphone. And the difference that that will make, and you don't need to spend very much money on doing that, and a tripod. Three things. Sorry, uh, uh, you know, just just adding that will make a will make a huge difference. The other thing that I think is not often thought about is. Um, you know, we talk about point and shoot. Oh yeah, point and shoot. You know, just kind of. But 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 the more planning you can do before you think about your video, uh, if you think, uh, of course, you know, these days, you know, because you, you can point and shoot, doesn't cost you any money. If you have a big, if you have a big production, uh, and each shot is going to cost a serious amount of money because of the time, you therefore take time to set it up. But the the, the difference, I would say, in just taking the time just to plan out. Okay, even if it's an interview, we're going to have 10 questions. This is my opening question. Let's have a rehearsal. And, and the other thing I would say that, that may say may sound very glib, the difference in shooting a film with two of you rather than just the one of you also makes an enormous difference because that second person can act as, um, if the first person is acting as the camera person, can act as the director, can act as the supervisor, can act as the con continuity so, so uh, doing it with a colleague is much better than doing it yourself. I, I would, I would agree with that. Actually, I think um, you know, at, at the CIM, we storyboard everything, um, whether it's uh, corporate video that we're just finishing polishing at the moment, actually, um, which is a sort of about a two and a half minute length through to an Insta reel. We storyboard it all because it, you, you know, if you prep well, the the output is going to be sort of ten times better than it than it than it would be if you didn't. And how do you manage that up? Because this is great advice, but how do you manage it up? It's become a lot harder, certainly in agency world. I I can attest to, uh, to make the case for for doing this prep, investing the time, sometime investing in the money, simply because everybody has now a camera. A hot, an HD, ultra HD camera now mostly in their pocket. That becomes harder to manage up and to explain to internal and external clients that look, just because we've got the equipment, just because we can point and shoot, it doesn't mean that we should just go out and point and shoot. And actually, we should be doing the storyboarding. We should be disciplined. We should be using an extra person if we can. We should be buying the right equipment. How do marketers go about managing that up to explain that it it's not a free lunch, Mark Prescott? Well, again, it's about it's it's about uh, education in film and understanding film and film principles. And if that that person uh, understands uh, uh, the rationale for taking the time, doing the planning, 
then they should be able to advocate for 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 uh, why they should have more time uh, and more budget. And actually, at the end of the day, will ultimately save money. And I would say that one of the great advantages of uh, taking the time to to become more visually more film literate in terms of language is even if you're not making it yourself it will help you become a better commissioner whether that's working with agencies or with a team who's producing content because you will know what good looks like yeah labor james hasn't become any cheaper i mean the equipment might have been democratized but the labor to do it there the time it's still as valuable as it was before so to some degree you have to re- concentrate, presumably, on the on the people power and not so much on the equipment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, um, it, 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 we also need to bear in mind what we mean by video. You know, video is 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 a very broad term. Um, and, and, you know, we classify our webinars as video. Um, you know, we, we also do a lot of testimonial work with with our uh, students. Um, and that's just that is very simple, low budget, sort of low entry, um, you know, quality video that we produce. And actually, that sort of peer to peer testimonial customer review piece is really compelling in a video format versus, you know, writing what is often perceived to be a, 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 a marketing crafted uh, written testimonial with some speech marks around it. You know, there's, there's high, there's high. <laughs> there's high sort of doubts around that use um, as a marketing tool but actually you know the, fr- from from simple testimonials through to quite sort of polished post-production led uh, corporate videos or even product demo videos there is a really sliding scale and actually you can do a lot of it one man bandy and actually I think through through sort of um sort of baby steps almost you can build up to that through proof of return to the business and, and, and engagement with, with those smaller sort of cheaper inverted comma videos. How do you decide, Claudia, that when, as James says, video is the answer, that actually there are there are more than one, there's more than one way to skin a cat. You can write it, you can do an audio uh, broadcast like we are at the moment, you could do a webinar and so on and so forth. How do you decide that, that a sort of crafted video is the answer and make the case to the organisation? I think when there's um, a lot to be said and there's a lot of sort of visual elements that can support what information is being given to the video, that is when, you know, creating a video is the best answer because it is the best way to get a a lot of information condensed into say 30 seconds um, to someone and sometimes that might not even require um, anything to be said it could just be something being shown or graphics being shown alongside whatever you're filming Um, so it it depends on what you are wanting to show and if there's actually a sort of narrative there as well that does, of course, imply that sometimes you have to say that video isn't the answer. Someone may ask you to do a video and you have to come back and say, I'm not sure that a video is actually the right medium for this particular project. I think maybe it's sometimes you've sort of got to think outside the box or maybe challenge yourself and think, well, 
okay, what are they wanting to explain or, or what information are we wanting to get across to our audience and um, how could we do this in a video and just pitch it because um, if you pitch something that, you know, might not be so strong, other people can sort of build off of that and you could potentially create a really good video. So it can be iterated and, and used as a starting point for something for something better. Let's assume it works and we get a good feeling, James, that it work, it's working. How do we go about measuring its effectiveness as a marketing tool? I think there's a number of ways, really. I think um, my uh, aside from some of the more sort of um, vanity metrics around views um, and 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 shares and etc. Um, but but actually on that point, I think it's important to 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 note that you know video tends to have a longer shelf life than some of the other mediums um, out there, apart from um, stories, obviously Insta stories, which does have a very defined shelf life. But um, I think. With with the, with we we see this a lot with YouTube actually is that um, you know that becomes a repository for a lot of the videos that we create and actually it's not just the initial views um, it's the long tail the on demand views um, which I think is important so if you are going off something a bit more um, to do with views and engagement don't you know have regular updates to the business on the latest um, the latest stats around that. But I think equally, there's 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 a lot of um, um, there's a lot of sort of URL tracking activity that you can do on videos. So to you know, you basically have a, a tailored call to action in there, so it drives people to certain areas. So there are more deeper engagement metrics that you can associate with video above and beyond just views. Um, uh, and I think that's really key. So to ensure that people are actually watching it, engaging with it, and actually doing the action that you want them to off the back of it. I mean, in the same way that journalists like me were sort of delighted to see a smartphone revolution because it actually means that people read many more words in a day than than they used to do, probably exponentially more than they did before people had smartphones. People read all the time now. Uh, similarly, people watch a lot more video uh, now than they did before because they can do it at any, any point in the day. It's not something they have an appointment to view with and, uh, you know, at seven o'clock in the evening in front of their television. Well, Prescott, that must have changed or be changing the role of BFI fundamentally, that you have, you've gone from, as I say, a standard bearer for cinema to something much bigger than that, that is something to help people around the country who are working with video as part of their daily business life do better video. Wow, that's a that's a huge question. Um, uh, a, a huge question. I, I, I'll make one or two observations. So, so, so one is audiences are really sophisticated, right? They and they appreciate and are interested and can uh, and can look at everything from I would say going to the cinema, you know, going to the cinema at high definition, amazing surround sound, to 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 watching a kind of uh, short. Uh, you know, four second clip and they can be, you know, there, there's a whole degree of meanings and interactions from those from those uh, from those scales. Um, I would say also that um, we are definitely in the age of information overload and our attention spans have got much, much, much shorter. So, you know, even in the way it's, you know, it's very interesting. You know, yes, I, I, of course, I now read the news on my mobile phone, and you know that that means that people are kind of writing in a, in a, in a kind of different different way, maybe or more kind of concise, or I may I may be 
Um, so information overload is quite a, quite a difficult one because maybe things that really resonate with you, there, there are less or there are less opportunities to do that or it's, it, it's tiring. Um, I think that's quite interesting. I, I would say one of my really big, uh, that I have, I bore colleagues with at the BFI and out with is that, whereas, you know, if you were, if you were a kind of a policy, policy advisor to the government on education, uh, you know, it used to be always the pillars of numeracy and literacy. Those are the, those are the things. And I would contend that there are two more these days. One is coding and, I, 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 and one is, one is around film literacy. Because, uh, you know, as we're, you know, we are working with, you know, I think in terms of life attainment and, and satisfaction and quality of life, being able to express yourself through, through moving image is, is a really important life skill. It's a massive development because, because of the, the accessibility. And yeah, there might be information overload, but, but at least the information is there and the accessibility is there. Do you think that given what James was saying about the need to measure and iterate and go back and give very frequent updates to businesses, the businesses truly understand the power of video yet? So is it, is it, is it, is it still, are we still in the learning phase? I think, they, I think they, they do understand the power of it, but they don't quite know, A, how to harness it and, and, and how, to, how to be most effective and efficient. And two, two, two simple things around that. One is that I think because we are in this world where everyone is posting things and you can, there is an expectation that businesses and brands be as be pumping out content all the time. So, um, and that's quite, that's quite onerous and quite difficult to, quite difficult to manage. Uh, uh, because you know, how do you can how do you have editorial control over that? How do you think through it carefully? How do you be so, kind of sophisticated about it? And then uh, uh, there are you know, uh, um, as I said at the uh, uh, earlier on in the conversation about TikTok, and you know, maybe a very basic, not very good, not very good film way in terms of it was filmed, but it was very compelling. This kind of golden uh, kind of unicorn about what makes what makes something compelling? Because I'm sure. What everyone wants is that we want this video to have so many shares, millions of shares, millions of downloads. And the secret source behind that is really quite elusive um, and maybe kind of quite accidental. And it's not really in a, in a world where we like having algorithms for things. There's not yet an algorithm for, 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 for why, why humans just find something compelling kind of accidentally. I mean, marketers then have got a real responsibility, haven't they, to try to present Try to explain or expedite, if you like, the, the secret what this secret source is, because it's not always obvious to finance teams and CEOs and C-suite people, you know, what this source is and how it how it works on the customer. Yeah, absolutely. I would I, I would agree. And I think, you know, this this reminds me of the more macro challenge that we see, and we've talked about many times in the podcast before around the digital skills gaps that exist at lower and upper ends of, of marketing organizations or sorry, marketing departments within organizations is that actually, you know, I, I would wager not that we've got anything statistically to support this, but my, my hypothesis would be that the more senior uh, members of marketing departments undervalue uh, video and, and, and therefore it's almost the onus, uh, the, the responsibility of the more uh, youthful uh, members of the team to to instill the importance of video upon them. I think you know th there are there are multiple different ways that video can be used, and I, and I think 
um, it's it's about finding the right medium, finding the right um, method, technique that suits your brand, suits your audience. I think one 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 stat that I wanted to share actually, which I which I read recently was on a datareportal.com and they, they do a digital statistics report um, in association with We Are Social and Hootsuite each year. And, and, and they've they've sort of seen this real surge, particularly during COVID, but but it's due to last longer than that, um, of people looking at how to do things, videos on how to do things. Um, and they're looking for the they're looking for that information rather than searching for specific brands or products so rather than merely telling people that your brand is the ideal solution for a particular problem a how-to video is more than likely going to be the most effective way of capturing their attention you know it's that teach me don't tell me um philosophy and i think that would stand any business in really good stead well we've heard some fantastic tips mark prescott from all three guests today if you come back on the show, and I hope you do in 12 months or 18 months' time, where would you like to see the sector at vis-a-vis its performance in the video medium? To be more confident about producing and commissioning video that is helpful to their brand and company's objectives and mission. Well, that's a great call to action. Mark Prescott, James Farmer, Claudia Gridelli, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a great show. Cheers, Ben. Thanks, Ben. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the CIM Marketing Podcast on your platform of choice. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can also join the conversation on Twitter at CIM underscore exchange, where we'll keep you updated about the latest episodes. See you next time. CIM Marketing Podcast.